0: Hi, and welcome back to the European VC, the go-to podcast for everything European VC. If you love the show, share with your friends and join our newsletter at eu.vc. Today, we're happy to welcome Ali, founding partner at 212 a venture capital firm that backs B2B tech startups with $85 million of committed capital and $170 million in assets under management. This year, 212 are launching their fund free, aiming for $70 million in size. If you enjoy our content, do support us by hitting the follow button, giving us a review and following the European VC on LinkedIn.
1: Ali, welcome to the European VC. It's super nice to have you here today. How is everything? Great.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: So Ali, I like to start with the good old question. How did you get into venture? And give us the background story. We love this world, but people get into it in very weird ways. Give us yours.
2: I used to be a banker back in the day in New York, London, some short stint in Singapore and Mumbai. I moved back to Turkey, my home country, in 2009. I did some consulting in 2010. As uh, some friends were establishing the first angel network of Turkey, Galta Business Angels, this weird guy sat, sat next to me. He just arrived from New York, Newman. And uh, we said, let's do something together because we noticed that we were both unemployable in Turkey. <laughs> and uh, we said, what to do, what to do. After many iterations, we said, let's launch a VC fund together. Why? Because there wasn't one in Turkey. So this is year 2011. Then we launched 212. Uh, because we noticed the uh, lack of venture capital funding in Turkey. And that's how Tumontu came about. We started fundraising in 2011, had our first closing end of 2011, started investing in 2012, and our first fund was uh, $30 million. That's how we became venture capital investors.
1: So let me me take a a stab at guessing the origin of the name. You started investing in... Twenty twelve and your name is two one two. Is that why?
2: Wrong. Ah, fuck.
1: <laughs> Give us the story, Ali.
2: Anyone else? Come on, it's much simpler than that. Actually, two one two is the uh, telephone code for Istanbul and New York. Uh, so both Numan and I had we were you know born and raised in Istanbul and had a significant uh, part of our professional life in New York, and we wanted to find a cool name that wasn't taken <laughs> and that would come as high as possible in any listing. Right? Then you sort it. <laughs> so that's why we called it 212.
3: I like that story. That's a good one.
2: <laughs> uh, By the it. way, even in Turkey, they ask you this question. They say, oh, is it because of New York? Now you remind them that Istanbul's telephone, also they were stuck with 212. <laughs> so it's Istanbul and New York, actually.
3: And tell me a bit about how did you guys come to first get to know each other? You, you had known each other for a long time. and But also, you said you ended up doing the fund because there wasn't really one at the time.
2: There wasn't one. And again, you know, I moved back in 2009 and Newman had just moved back his family in 2010 from New York. I, I was I had a banking background, you know, don't be fooled by the beard and everything. <laughs> I used to be a, I tried to be a banker for most of my career. And uh, Newman had spent most of his career in banks as well, but he wasn't a banker. He was actually part of the technology management. Recently, Goldman Sachs, actually, he was in you know Asia and then in New York. It was kind of hard for us to do something else in Turkey, like, you know, salary-wise, return-wise, and expectations and the type of environment that we were looking for. And as we were part of this angel group, we noticed how much money was not being invested in Turkey. Uh, and there was no other VC uh, to fill the gap. And we said, you know, we have the background, we think we know what we're doing, we, he knows technology, I know investing in technology. First, we said, you know, we should just launch an accelerator in a, you know, that would be the, the, the right solution. And we started looking for garages actually. Because we said, you know what? In the US, they usually you know, have garages, and that's where the you know entrepreneurs like you know come up. We actually started looking for garages in Turkey, commercial garages. And we found one actually, and we almost got suffocated in there because of all the, the yeah. exhaust. I remember, and then we said, you know what, this might not be the right solution because they don't actually need the space, they need the actual money. Mm-hmm. And at, at that point, you know the average, you know, angel ticket in Turkey was maybe two, three hundred thousand dollars per, you know, round, and there was no VC again. And we said we need to fill this gap, and that's how two on two idea came up. And uh, as I mentioned, we launched end of two thousand eleven and started investing in two thousand twelve.
3: Yeah, and I think that there's a great story around how you have both you as a firm and, and how the Turkish market has matured. Over that period, but before going into that, I think it's best that we just ask you to give us a rundown on two one two. What are you investing in? What stage? What are you looking for? What are you definitely not looking for? Why are you built the way you are? We just spoke before about you're now doing fund three, announcing that together with this episode, and you you have the belief that you need to grow in, in increments of twenty, and, and and there's also a story there, right?
2: Uh, so what we invest in is uh, enterprise software mainly. Uh, we could look at early stage enterprise software companies uh, with traction. So we need to see revenue in clients. The average ticket be right is about one and a half to two million euros. We can go up to five, six million, but don't like to go below one million. The must have for us is the international growth perspective. So even if they're not international, they need to have the ambition to go international. We look at Central Eastern Europe, Turkey and the Middle East. And opportunistically, we look at the frontier markets as well as US and UK for startups that have been started by mainly the regional diaspora, so the entrepreneurs who left Central Eastern Europe, Turkey, Middle East, immigrated to UK, US, you know, Asia, whatever. And we try to be the first institutional ticket there. Uh, We don't look at B two C solutions that much because we got burned by in, in the first one we got we got burned by a lot of e commerce companies, and we noticed that we were more stronger in hardcore less sexy enterprise software companies coming from the region testing locally going globally i know that's like you know the cliche that people say but that's how we've been successful also in the second fund we further fine-tuned that and so that you know our existing team is also um, more able to help enterprise software companies so i think the third fund i know the third fund will still you know focus on enterprise software companies going global
1: I have to ask you something there because you said that you got a bit burned in Fund One, <laughs> and I don't want to know how you got burned. I want to know more like the learnings from that. Of course, which you've shared a bit, but also how did those conversations with your LPs go? Right around around the learnings and how you've evolved from that because that's it's a great learning, right? But it's a tough conversation still, right?
2: It is, and it's beautiful how how much the brain forgets, and that that right <laughs> that that's the best part. So I don't remember most of the conversations. Imagine this. When we raised our first fund, it was mainly 100 individuals who never invested any anything in technology, let alone startup, let alone venture capital, right? So did the conversation would start with, "What is venture capital? Is there technology in Turkey? What, is, what do you mean? Like you know, two out of you know ten might be successful, and eight will go bust." That was that way. It took us 18 months actually to raise the first fund. Yeah, in our first fund, we had 12 companies, and I, as I mentioned. Four of them were in e-commerce, and uh, we didn't do well, and they, they went bust uh, in the in the first fund, and it was a tough time. I remember in so we launched in two thousand twelve, and in two thousand fourteen, I was really questioning life because we had to be generalists. We had to see what's out there. Right? It's not like we followed someone else. We tried to you know we came. We wrote the first term sheet probably in in a Turkish setting. We couldn't learn from someone else, so we had to go out there and uh, you know uh, create our own market so to say, for, for venture capital investing in Turkey. And uh, as I said, unfortunately, even though started by great founders, you know, I would invest in, and I have invested in some of their startups, by the way, later than that, uh, that their following startups. Unfortunately, they weren't successful in the, in the e-commerce space. And as you mentioned, we had some difficult discussions with LPs who would call us and say, is all our money gone? And I would say, no, 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 you have eight, eight more companies. Don't, don't worry, that they are you know, up and coming. Uh, don't worry, this is part of our business. But it is actually, when you look at the venture capital business and compare it to the offline and the real world, it's a very different mentality, right? Not that there aren't that many people who believe in the portfolios theory, who say, I'm going to invest in 10 to 20 startups, 20% yeah. of them will you know, do great and 80% might not make it. It's not a very uh, natural response you get from most investors, right?
3: I would actually say that so I've been part of fundraisers where it was definitely also that conversation with LPs. You know, it was almost like you, you didn't want to show the portfolio model because then you're just going to have a long discussion about the fundamentals of venture really. But they're looking at it and thinking that you're the crazy guy. And you're like, no, no, no there's a whole industry that does it like this. <laughs> um
2: but don't forget that you do it in, in a country, in an emerging market, where people double their money in real estate every year. Yeah. yeah. So real estate is double... Every year, which, which is not the case any longer, but it was the case back in 2011, 2012. So the, the conversation you have is, so the, the one, one LP I remember, potential LP, he didn't end up investing is, so you say, you know, I said, you know, I'm going to invest in 10, hopefully three will we'll, we'll make it or four. And he, he asked me, so why do you invest in the, the remaining seven? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was the level of discussion yeah. uh, we had to have yeah. uh, back in the day in 2011.
3: Yeah. And that was actually, um, because of where I was going with my my story was, if you were to say anything on that, because I'm sure you're still having those conversations sometimes with, with LPs that haven't done the asset class before. What would you say is the best trick to get them understanding what this is about? How, what have you seen have worked with LPs that haven't been used to the asset class?
2: First of all, maybe it's my background in banking in the U.S. I'm not you know, overly optimistic about the asset class. I don't try to win every LP. Yeah. It's okay that some stay out. Yeah. you know, I don't think VC is a business that everyone should be investing in. The Second thing is, I mean, one of the first questions I asked them, which some people don't want to answer, is how much money they have mm-hmm. and how much they might want to allocate. And I then take them through, you know, portfolio model. I ask them how much cash they have, how much did they keep in bonds versus stocks versus gold versus, you know, blockchain. So I try to understand the the sophistication of the LP and their risk appetite. So if they are really at the beginning of the, you know, cycle, I'm not the right person to, you know, take their money, by the way. Uh, And once we see that they might be a potential LP for us, you know, we go to the portfolio model and I usually take them through Harvard. So I take them through the Harvard endowment, right? And I show them, you know, this is how much Harvard allocates every year to private equity in VC year over year. And you should probably allocate a small portion of your portfolio to VC as well. And guess what? I'm the first fund in Turkey. I'm the first fund to raise this second fund in Turkey. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to be the first fund to raise this third fund in Turkey. And this is my background. This is my Business partners, Newman's background. We were two people. Now we are 14. These are our exits. This is how much we turn in our first fund. This is what we're expecting to do in our second fund. We would love to you to be in. And it's okay if you don't join. Maybe you'll you'll join the fourth one. I don't look at uh, you know VC as a transactional business on both sides for entrepreneurs or LPS when I spoke, speak to them because I really think it's, it's about relationship building. Uh, and I always tell you know the entrepreneurs investment is the last thing I will give you. <laughs> yeah. so I'll, I'll connect you with people. I'll help you out. I'm here if you want to have a drink or coffee and chat about something. And at some point, if you want me to be on board, and if I want to join your company, I will invest in you. And again, that's how I look at life overall and the VC business that we are in. And it's the same thing with LPs. If they don't want to you know, invest currently, which is fine, they will, keep, they will get my updates quarterly. They will see who we are. They might co-invest later on, and they, they might be invested in the next fund. That's how I've been approaching it. I
3: think that, that that's a very healthy approach. And I think that there's many who should note <laughs> this down.
2: Because how I do it, I'm not sure if it's right, but, you know. No, no, but it, 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 it's a
3: perfect point uh, because one thing you're saying there is as, as an example, I start by really understanding where they are in their journey. David just had he, literally before joining this call, he was texting me saying that, Huh. I just just I just sat through a thirty minute call where I think I spoke for one minute with a you know a first time meeting with a GP, and it's like well that GP didn't learn much about what we would be looking for from him, and then he could have just sent us a movie, and then we would have known what he just said, right? Um, so so I think that there's and of course David sent me that because we thought it was 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 not the smartest thing of that GP to do, and I think that everyone listening in here should take note of of your approach, think about how they. They do it themselves, right?
2: Especially in an emerging environment, right? You know, we're not talking about a Western European or American case where people know what VC is. The amount of wealth accumulated is far beyond what we have here. So, but it's, even, it's a I would market. say,
3: in every single ecosystem, I tend to find that VCs overestimate the sophistication of the LP <laughs> landscape in the countries that are neighboring to them. Um,
2: but that's why we exist.
3: Yeah, that's right? true, yeah.
2: I mean, that that's how you keep saying, right? You know, when you will hear some questions that don't make any sense. And guess what? That's why you have a job, yeah. right? You know, I always look at myself as, as a service provider. And since some people didn't have time to learn the business that we are in, we have a job. Yeah. That's how I look at it.
3: I love that. Okay, but then let's just get back to the part about two, one, two, because now you are about to launch uh, fund three, and I am very curious to hear if you would just say, "But well, what's the difference between fund two to fund three? Is it rinse and repeat, or is it uh, are there adjustments being made? And and if so, on on what basis and what are they?"
2: Uh, what's what's similar to fund two is uh, similar check sizes. Again, I think initially we live invest between one and a half to two million euros, up to five to seven million. Uh, obviously, you now a little uh, higher. Again, the must-have will be you know international perspective. Even if it's an American company, I want to have an international perspective now uh, because I've been burnt in the U.S. by U.S. only uh, mentality. Obviously, you know, going after amazing founder teams, as always. I always tell my team. So we are we are fourteen people, and most of us, including me, have never done VC before, right? And I'm have been, been doing it for ten years. They ask me, so how do you know if it's the right entrepreneur? I, I always tell them, if you leave the meeting saying, I want to quit 2 on 2 and work for this guy, that's the person <laughs> you want to invest in. So we are always after amazing entrepreneurs. So it's pretty much, you know, what we are, we've done in second fund and what's been successful in the first fund. But one little addition uh, to the second fund is uh, looking at frontier markets more. So what we call frontier markets, it's Bedel where Turkey is one as well, is... Uh, like the likes of Bangladesh Pakistan India we see some amazing entrepreneurs out there so i think we will see whether we can add some value to, to some of the teams there to go beyond their you know countries of origin and go global
1: could you share an overview of the of the allocation per geo And then share with us how how you're thinking of navigating these frontier markets. Because it it is challenging to build the connections, to build the deal. It's not not something that you wake up this morning. I want to do do frontier markets and and I'm amazing at it. (laughs) (laughs) Good luck, right? So share with us. How do you guys think about it and how you're building or have been building up the machine to do that?
2: Sure. As I mentioned, you know, Numan and I started this company for a long time. It was just two of us. Uh, Then Isabel, our CFO, joined us. And we couldn't afford her. So she was part-time. So it was two and a half people for most of the first fund. Uh, Now we are close to 14 people. uh, So the the team is much bigger and we have a very diverse team to support us. Uh, So that's been helping us. Regarding how we source deals outside of our region of comfort, so to say, we don't try to be the um, first or initial ticket in in those regions. We we co-invest with local investors or investors who have been exposed to the realities of that region before us. And again, just like the second fund, I like to invest once I see traction and I see clients I can talk to and the international aspiration. So we we, we will come in once we see that my team would be able to help that startup founder team to go beyond. That's when, when we plan to be in. Again, the, the main focus will be Central Eastern Europe, Turkey and the Middle East. So I would say fifty to seventy-five percent of our fund most likely would be allocated. In the in this region where we have significant deal flow, close to fifty to sixty companies a week, so I think we will still look at this. But again, opportunistically with co-investors, with other VC funds, I would like to look at the opportunities in the frontier markets as well, because I believe there are some amazing. I mean, I, I've seen some amazing founders out there, so I, I want to partner with them.
1: So I think for for anyone like the three of us in this recording, right? We love venture. We love what we do. We're strong believers of venture. So. We're like easy sells on the fact that there's great entrepreneurs everywhere. So I'm going to take that as a given. But where I may be like more kind of thinking in these, in these frontier and emerging markets, sometimes the ecosystem itself is not super mature, right? So it might be where, where Turkey was when you started right. your, your firm, right? So finding co-investors is sometimes a pain right? They they don't really have a track record or maybe, maybe there's only like angels in the ecosystem. Have you seen that? What, what what struggles have you seen in trying to build these networks in these different emerging markets?
2: Well, surprisingly, uh, when we call, you know, when we look at in frontier markets, most of the big, you know, European families and some of the VCs are there already. So we're not talking about this, like, you know, uh, uncharted space that's out there you don't know what you know how to get there there are not even know flights there you ride camels and so that's how Turkey was by the way and still is to, to most of international <laughs> investors it's not that's not the case. It's already been you know discovered and uh, significant investment is going in there already. so I think we are already past the, the starting stage there we, we are at the second stage where startups ask ask you which I love the question that I love most. What do you offer that someone else doesn't? Money is given, right? You know, everyone has money. I'm a very small fund. Most funds I compete with have a lot more money than I have. So, what will you bring? That's like the challenging question. Uh, And they're at that stage, so um, that's why we are 14 people. If if it was just about like you know deploying checks, right? I think four people would be enough. Uh, But it's it's everything that's not out there. That's not as obvious. Uh, That's what I'm. you know, losing my sleep over and trying to build day in, day out. You have
3: been through some time <laughs> being founded in Come two uh, thousand five.
2: I know it's, it's my beard is all white, right, but I'm not that old, by the way. So <laughs> I'm,
3: I'm, I'm still ready to bet that you're older than me, though.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> Thank you. At least you're not bald. Yeah, though, well, so. There you go. You got that going. <laughs> uh,
3: you can always correct that after this episode if you realize how sexy i'll
2: try i have an option at least you see yeah you do there you go
3: optionality that's the luxury that's the luxury right you you, you, your face is like a venture capital fund full of optionality
2: thank (laughs) you thank you so you should google me you won't you won't won't believe all the pictures there is on your online. you won't believe it's the same guy (laughs) i love that i love that
3: so i will also share the photo of me being uh, uh at a demo about squatting uh, in socialist Denmark. <laughs> so so right. I, I have images that is also maybe difficult to see It's me. <laughs> um, but uh, Ali, what I wanted to ask you was we've gone through a st- cycle now that has definitely uh, surprised some, even though we all kind of kept saying that it's going to come. But everyone also seemed to not really notice <laughs> after all. I'm curious to hear your reflections on the last two years and what you're planning to do to do going forward, and I'm sure you've also now you know now that you've been been through your fundraise, have had LPs that committed, and then coming back and saying, "Hey, uh, Ali, I, I'm not sure whether this venture capital is really such a good idea." <laughs> how have you responded to this?
2: I mean, the, the last ten years for us, at least, right? When I, when you think about the things that we have been through, and again, I think don't think I'm complaining. I'm actually all these things are the reason I exist. That's how I look at it. Uh, but just to give you an example. And uh, most most European VCs or American VCs wouldn't think of these things. But when we launched our first fund, right, $1, U.S. dollar, was equal to uh, 1.7 Turkish Lira. Today it's 19, 10 years later. And that wasn't the only thing. We have triple-digit inflation. We had a coup. We had multiple bombings, Ukrainian war. I don't even remember if you shot down a couple of planes from Russia. So, like, you know, many things happened in this region and Turkey itself in the last 10 years that would have crumbled any Western or, um, you know, West Western economy. And we are still here. When I look look at the last 10 years and look at what, what our entrepreneurs achieved, and again, it's them achieving, us helping, us serving, really. That's how I look at myself. I think it's amazing uh, what the Turkish and again not just the Turkish but the emerging markets entrepreneurs can achieve because they are really they they've honed their skills with no you know availability of you know money resources mentorship senior entrepreneurs which is everything that you can find indeed in the developed market. So when when I look at the last two years, obviously 2022 was a crazy year. It was right after Corona. The inflation wasn't still here with us. Everyone knew it was coming. And the when I looked at the multiples, right? The olded. I'm, ba- I'm an old banker. And we, I mean, sales multiple, right? The, the notion of a sales multiple, let alone, you know, the notion of a sales multiple three years down the line, right? You know, 2024 multiple. And based on that coming up at the 2022 multiple, and valuation was, is, is still crazy to me. Uh, and I think the rest of the world kind of just came down, came to a more normal level. And surprise, surprise, we never were there. So the emerging market multiples and the valuations were never there. So I believe most of the emerging market entrepreneurs are suffering less on the valuation side than their Western counterparts. So that's on the positive side. On the negative side, unfortunately, there's still this overhang. And uh, most international investors don't want to touch or don't want to take the risk of emerging markets. And that's why we exist, because we try to bridge the gap, right? We try to show them, hey, we are here, local investors. We'll do the initial ticket. We'll do the Series A together with you. And guess what? We have a counterpart in this part of the world where you can feel um, secure with. And uh, let's get this done together, just like what we have done in the past two funds so a very long answer to your good question
1: it is a question that grants a long answer and ali i must say you are very quotable we have a lot of cool quotes for our, for our announcing of this of this episode thank you for that now i
3: just wanted to ask one final question and that is because our good friend ennis holy he
2: has. this is, this is me... something you should not say publicly <laughs> that, that you should he... not say, oh, i'm good friend with ennis who, who we're also <laughs> investing in. in. The region. You know, I warn everyone about this. Between <laughs> you and I. Uh, I'm, I'm joking. And it's a great guy. I have all the respect and love. For
3: <laughs> no, um, it's a good point. It's a good point. No, I wanted to say that he has come quite known to say Europe is uh, Turkey or Turkey is Europe. Stop saying anything else. And I, I just literally, while we were talking here about geopolitical risk and everything, and then I then I googled is Turkey MENA or Europe? And then I, you know, of course there's there's MENAT that which explicitly includes Turkey, but there's not Europe, <laughs> where where you then specifically <laughs> include Turkey in Europe. I would love your take on that. How do you, both as an individual, but also as a firm, think about Europe and your connection to Europe and MENA and all? all you know the different ecosystems that are you're basically right in the middle of.
2: When I look at the technology space, right? I look at it as an Olympics. Yeah. There is no local competition. There is no regional competition. It's only a global competition. So anyone from Turkey, from Europe, from US, Asia, frontier markets needs to be global. Whether Turkey is Europe or not is not really relevant. What's relevant is what's important is that any entrepreneur and any serving VC has to have a global mindset. Uh, that's how I look at it.
3: And you're also thinking like that when it comes to your own investment
2: strategy. So you'd. 100%. Because the reason is again, my LPs think that way. My LPs do not just look at Turkey and say, oh, Turkey is a great country, da 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 da. Let me invest in Turkey. They compare Turkey to Brazil, to Latin America, to frontier markets, to Eastern European markets, to Egypt, to Saudi, to Dubai. So that, that's the competition I have. But right, I, and that, that's why I invest that way
3: too. But at the same time, you're also being picked because you're the one with, in their mind, the best access and, and the best ability to, to help. the. Yeah, but I need to showcase, I want to
2: demonstrate this. If you want an exposure to this part of the world, mm-hmm. I, am the, I am not the, but one of the yeah. uh, VCs you should have exposure to because of all these reasons. Yeah, Usually, I mean, I, I was on a phone with an American uh, LP the other day. And they said, you know, should I invest in you or Enes? And I said, you should invest in both of us. Because, again, if I believe in the diversification theory, in portfolio theory, which I strongly do, I don't think it's about choosing the right VC. Just like we don't choose a company, we build a portfolio. I think any good LP needs to diversify its VC base as well, as long as they see the story and the potential in 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 a certain area.
3: Actually, absolutely agree there that there are multiple VC winners in each market. It's very rarely one. So once you once you have figured out these are the three best, typically given venture returns and the dispersion of it, you'd probably do better by splitting your LP ticket than putting it in in, in the one that you think is marginally better than the other.
2: Exactly. I mean, it's, it's it's when you look at the success stories, and it's it's still early days, right? If I was an LP, and I am an LP now in in some funds. I, I love distributing to different, you know, managers, and hopefully partake in the follow-on round. I use them as my scouts. Right, that's what I would do. I
3: couldn't agree more with that. And I'm curious, actually, because you now said you you use them as your scouts. And that is obviously part of our whole model of believing that we should connect the ecosystem uh, more and more, especially, or in our case, through LP investments. But I'd love to hear how you think through that and also what you look for then in the managers and and how you source them in quotation marks, because it's obviously not as big a thing as, as sourcing startups. But I'm also curious how you think about that. It's similar to...
2: Uh, venture funding. When I and obviously I mean you guys are investors and the the, the 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 favorite question is what do you look for when you invest in a startup? When I look for is a, I always try to imagine a table and I try to imagine who's sitting around the table and how many seats are empty. So are the founders here? Are the co founders here? What do they give up? What's the opportunity cost? Who are the early employees in this company? What do they give up? Who are the angels? Who are the customers? Why did they choose them, i.e. invest in them? So I actually don't look for an investment. I look for co-investors. That's what I do. And the question for me is, do I want to co-invest with this bunch? Are they good investors? So same with uh, GPs, right? You know, I look at them. How much are they investing? What's the background? What do they give up? And do I want to co-invest with these guys or girls? I'm a lazy guy. This is this is a, it's a very simple question, but that, that's what I try to do, looking for coin master.
3: I actually love that approach. And I, I've i heard a similar one where you say that in the end, when you are looking into, into a cyber and considering investing, you might ask the question because many have more hiring experience than investing experience in the beginning. As an angel, you'd say, would I hire this person uh, to do the job of building a startup, Right. Because it's it's a different mindset. It's it's easier for most people to uh, to 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 draw on their existing uh, uh, base for. Yeah, I, I love that perspective, and I, of course, it's super aligned with with the way that we think. Given that we are, to a very large degree, we should join hands. We, we think alike, so. Yeah, but uh, you just need to get yourself a shaver and uh, take off that uh, <laughs> that beautiful <laughs> head of hair. Then you can uh, you can be my best friend.
2: <laughs> I, I shaved once in the last 10 years and that's but that's the first time my wife saw me without a beard and she asked me to grow a beard back right away uh, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> but i'm I,
3: so so facial hair is not that much of a problem it's more when you have something oh, It's this one okay fine uh, i'll do that for you tomorrow thank you i that i think you would look like a real boss You <laughs> 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 would take us to the quick wire so.
1: i will i will certainly just to our listeners on the Andreas and Ali were riffing off a bit on diversification and how you should think about investing. We put out an amazing article on that recently on our on our website. So feel free to check it out where we talk about different uh, portfolio strategies and how you know returns are affected by whether or not you hit that, that true outlier, portfolio dynamics, all of that stuff. Juicy stuff for the ones that love. Ali, on that note, time for the quickfire. Are you ready for it? We'll ask you quick answer questions. Go ahead. First question of the quick fire round is what areas, technologies or sectors excite you the most, but that other people around you don't really feel that excited about?
2: I love technologies in industrial 4.0. So going after long, heavy machinery, industry, industrial sectors with new technologies. Uh, very hard to implement. Sometimes government owned or regulated. So very hard to get in there. I love uh yeah. yeah that slow process regulated industries that most people don't want to touch uh i like the industries where people with a lot of you know um grit going there long sales cycle lots of negotiations i love that
1: yet another another um Topic to feed into your bromance with Andreas because he also likes that space. (laughs) So great to know. Second question. What are your top tips to emerging VCs who are now fundraising for their funds?
2: I've been doing this for 11 years. Um, I've done many mistakes and we we were lucky in some decisions and uh, I'm happy about what we've achieved so far. The number one thing has to be what I just spoke about a bit earlier. VC is an amazing and great business. It's not transactional. It's not about one investment. It's about being out there day in, day out, helping the entrepreneurs and the LPs. At the end of the day, it's a service business. It doesn't look like it from the outside. It's, it's, it's very much a service business. So it does require a lot of stamina. That, that's what I would say. It's not transactional. Be in front of entrepreneurs. Help them with everything that you can. It doesn't have to be money. Money can be solved. But, you know, having the support of a VC means a lot, especially in emerging markets. And uh, if you can, you know, um, add some money to it, it's beautiful. Uh, but money is secondary.
1: Third and final question, Ali, is what is the most counterintuitive thing you've learned in venture so far?
2: Venture capital is not about investing. It's about what you do afterwards, the day after. You invest in these people, which I think is beautiful, it's a great support, and it's you know, it justifies your seat at the table, but it's the day after where you really, you know, you know, get your sleeves up, roll your sleeves and start doing the grunt work. That's why we exist from the outside. It looks like an investment class. It's an asset class. It's not. It's about HR. It's about people. It's about psychology. It's about everything you cannot put on Excel. And that was a big learning for me. And I love Excel. When I, when I want to think about something, I should put it on Excel. That was my big challenge. It's about people, everything that you would never think you would have to think about. And there's other things in there. That's what venture capital is. It's not about money. It's not about investment. It's about people.
3: You said you love Excel. I can't help but think think back to a mentor of mine who, even when he wrote up agendas for a meeting, he would put it in Excel and send it to me in an Excel file. I was like, who the fuck writes a
2: when I'm stressed out, I put some numbers in Excel and start calculating you know, without without a reason, right? You know, so I write some formulas I used to know from my banking days. But again, like okay, think about this. When you're a VC investor, you get a you know call from one of your entrepreneurs on a Saturday night, twelve o'clock at night saying, Hey, my wife is divorcing me. What do you want me to do? Yeah,
3: count it in Excel.
2: You don't do this as a banker. Yeah. Or someone calls you. Oh, I have a health problem. I need to get an operation tomorrow. Should I tell my employees? Nine out of ten, it's these questions that you deal with—the human part of a business—that most people do not see, which is beautiful because you are partners with them. But it's also a lot of responsibility. You know, uh, it's not like a banking or a consulting or private equity job where you meet like once a quarter, or whatever, look at the numbers, and say, okay, until next. It's it's it, the human part is. The most important uh, differentiating factor of the VC business. And I think most people underestimate that part.
3: Yeah, couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. And then especially, you know, you investing in Industry 4.0 and loving that space, that's definitely something that is lacking, uh, typically both on the founder side, but also in more of the, the more technical VCs. So I imagine that that's uh, fish and water for you. Ali, thanks a million for joining us for this. It was super cool.
2: Thank you. This was fun. So, when am I shaving? Am I shaving tomorrow? What? When uh, are we going to be, be best friends?
1: Either you can shave on camera, so we can. <laughs> yeah, use that, it would actually, a... that would actually. That would. If you if you wouldn't
3: mind doing that, then we will get a. So we will do a snippet on the back of this then, and get it really really great, and then we'll have that actually playing in the same time. That would be so <laughs> cool. Very <laughs> easy. Takes two minutes.
2: You know, I do it every two weeks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah
3: exactly. <laughs> That would be great. Just film it next time, then shoot it to us, then we'll put together a video back on that. That would be awesome.
0: <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of the European VC, the go-to podcast for everything European VC. If you love the show, share it with your friends and join our newsletter at EU.vc.